I mentioned before, you can go back to Woodrow Wilson and you can say that's the, the time period where we started to go in this direction. Some people might point to earlier, some people might point to FDR and then LBJ and the like. But bottom line is, we're at least 50 years and maybe 100 years behind and we're in a battle that, as you've spoken to and elucidated in this book, is on every single aspect of our society. Given the constraints that we have and the conditions today, how do we reverse it? How do we win ultimately? Does it start with taking back the language? Is it the institutions? How do you do it? Uh, first thing you do is read my book, closing up a liberal mind and understand what you're up against, uh, understand the problem, uh, and, and, and stop shadow boxing. Uh, stop believing that Herbert Crowley and Woodrow Wilson is our main enemies. Uh, frankly, stop believing even that Karl Marx is our main enemy. Uh, the, 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 the opponent today is much more sophisticated, much more slippery. you got to know, you can't defeat somebody if you don't know who, who your enemy is. Uh, and uh, I think that that needs to be clarified. Uh, the second thing is start taking ideas seriously and don't look upon ideas just exclusively as instruments. Marketing instruments or political instruments to get power or something like that. The great genius of the postmodern left is they do both. They actually take ideas seriously, at least to, in, the, in the university, to the point where they write these large tomes and explain them. But they also are masters of, of the instrumental idea of, of turning them into useful politics. Uh, we we conservatives all, sometimes think that we can just do one: the instrumentality without the form. I don't think William F. Buckley Jr. thought that, but he's no longer with us. And of course, you have great institutions like Encounter Books that are committed uh, to dealing with serious ideas. But not all the conservatives are there yet. Uh, and the third is you've got to do something about uh, taking back the American University. Uh, and if you do that, I think the education system would follow. Uh, but, if you, uh, but this means uh, insisting on more intellectual and ideological diversity in our universities, and uh, even attaching funding requirements to that. Uh, you know, state legislatures are in, tar in charge of the funding of these state universities, and yet do nothing about how monolithic these universities are, how intellectual conformity outside the science and engineering departments is stifling. And uh, so wh why should we be su surprised at these students uh, that engage in these shenanigans and these uh, antics uh, that are almost uh, akin to what you would find in a university under Mao Zedong. Uh, why are we surprised they're acting that way? Uh, it's because they're acting out on what they're taught. They're acting out what they were taught in uh, you know, their queer theory uh, course that they took. That's their words, not mine. Uh, and, uh, you know, whatever issue on transgenderism uh, that, that they've just studied, that stuff has been developed in the universities, uh, and yet try to find a good course on the history of natural law. Try to find a course on John Locke these days. Uh, try to you can find plenty of courses on Hegel and Marx and all of that. Try to find a, a, a course on Adam Smith in free, free market economics. The uh, uh, last thing I'll say about this is that I had a real eye opener one time when I was Assistant Secretary of State for George W. Bush, and I was up at the United Nations headquarters here in New York. And I was trying to put together a, a, a luncheon of all the countries, ambassadors from all the countries that scored well on the Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom. There were about 30 of them. And they were, these were countries with free economies, capitalist economies. And so they were practicing 
what Adam Smith believed. So I brought them all together and I said, why don't we coordinate our policies at the UN? And there was this silence around the room. Nobody wanted to touch the other. And finally, after the lunch was over, one of the ambassadors came up to me and said, you know, the problem is, is that we don't want to bring attention to this. We think we're doing really well. And the problem is, is that if you talk about economic freedom, that's too ideological. So even the people who believed it were censoring themselves. And why do conservatives censor themselves? Why do they do that? It's because they are confused. Uh, they don't want to be criticized by the majority culture. But you've got to have courage. And the only way you're going to have courage is have some faith in yourself. And the only way you're going to have faith in yourself is to learn what you believe in. Uh, and believe in, to, believe in it at your core. And understand it fully. Uh, and, uh, and, and sort of take back, if you will, the great postmodern meta-narrative that's out there right now, uh, that conservatives are evil and we want to impose our views on everyone else. We are classic liberals. We want to have an open debate. Uh, uh, we want to let people as individuals express themselves and be free. But that's not really what the postmodern left is promising. They're promising a new authoritarian regime uh, where the new ideology is going to be administered by the state through the coercion of law. And there's not going to be any room for a classic liberal in that America.